The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the wind of it is first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Here's the payoff pitch. Welcome into Payoff Pitch, everybody. We are Action Network's MLB betting podcast. It's Friday, June 23rd. Brendan Glasheen alongside Anthony DeBundo and Charlie DeSterko. The full Friday crew is here in the summer. Love it. Uh, we are here every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday during the season. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Payoff Pitch if you haven't done so already. We greatly appreciate it. We've got a 14-game slate on the way tonight, starting tonight, Atlanta-Cincinnati 640. We've got uh, Cardinals and Cubs in London which we will preview before we leave. They start that series tomorrow at 1 Eastern. So we'll get to that. Um, What else was I going to say? Oh, two Apple TV games tonight, Pittsburgh, Miami, and New York, Philadelphia. The two Apple TV games are going to cross over. How does that work? I guess technology these days, you can just pick which one you want to watch. It's a beautiful thing. Um, I'm all over the place. I'm excited. Good to have you guys back together here. Charlie, you can go first. Let's just dive right in. Best bet yeah. for Friday, please. Yeah, give me give me first because the Bundo had to be out in San Francisco last week while I had to man down the ship by myself. But oh, I'm... oh, oh, you just couldn't. You 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 knew DeBundo he was gonna do that. He couldn't I, wait. I you know, I had to get my shot in early, but another shot that I like is taking the Mariners here on the money line. I got plus money. I think it's down a bit, but I'd still take it all the way to about minus 110, minus 115. Logan Gilbert on the mound against Kyle Gibson. And I think the starting pitching edge is too stark here for me not to take Seattle at this number. Logan Gilbert, though he has a 4-3-1, his expected metrics more in that mid-three range. So positive regression expected for him. He's really struggled struggled with limiting batters. Like the left on base rate right now is uh, 63.7%. His career average is nearly 10% higher than that. So every batter that's getting on is just coming around to score for the most part. It's it's extremely low right now. But when you look at his advanced metrics, he's got some pretty impressive numbers. He doesn't walk a lot of hitters. He's in the top 21% of all pitchers in chase rate. 
His strikeout rate has increased. His expected batting average and hard hit rate have decreased from last season, which last season I was looking to fade Gilbert a lot. Now there are times where I'm looking to back him, and this is a perfect opportunity. All his off-speed pitches have a stuff plus of 113 or better. So you look at him, higher split finger usage, ground balls are going up. He should have more success with left on base rate. And then opposite him, Kyle Gibson, I'm going to be fading him. I just don't believe that this 35-year-old is having a turnaround. 91 stuff plus rating, expected metrics in the mid fours, despite an ERA sub four. His strikeout rate has dipped below 20%. His walk rate's been increasing. His barrel rate's been increasing as well. So you're looking at these two pitchers, and there's a stark difference in talent, at least for me, and from ceiling perspective for Seattle not to be favorite more heavily this the bullpens are about even seattle number one baltimore number five in xfit and the offense though baltimore has a slight edge they're banged up no mount castle no mccann no cedric mullins so their their offense and if you've looked at their lineup the fast last few days that back end that six to nine is not pretty so i like seattle here over both halves but i'm targeting them on the money line here i just think that this pitching differential is too stark to not take. Bundo, I think Charlie hates old guys. I think he hates old pitchers. That's what I've come to figure out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, Wainwright, Rich, Rich Hill, uh, Kyle Hendricks, Kyle Gibson. I mean, Gibson did have a good start to last season then really fell off in the second half. Uh, so it's certainly a possibility for Gibson, but uh, I have no personal play on this game. I'm lower than generally in the market on Gilbert, although I do – like the new splitter uh, for me, I'm going to go with the angels and the Rockies under at Coors field, 11 and a half. Uh, this Rockies lineup that they've been putting out, you know, pretty much all week because of injuries uh, has been borderline triple a. I mean, if you looked at the lineup that they put out against the reds um, on Wednesday, they did get a few homers from Doyle and Grichik, but up and down like six to nine with Montero being like the last maybe major league hitter uh, at the back end of that rotation of that lineup uh, and followed by, you know, guys who were projected WRC plus from the bat with, you know, 70, 75 WRC pluses. Uh, they're just not major league hitters. Uh, and even Doyle leading off, you can also get them here against the lefty, which is their much worse offensive split. Uh, the two best hitters in their lineup right now are Nolan Jones, the rookie and Ryan McMahon, both hit from the left side, both have pretty strong, uh, projected platoon splits too. So it's just a Rockies lineup that uh, isn't going to do much in terms of production, even at Coors Field. Uh, Sandoval, I took his under strikeouts as well, under four and a half plus 118. I, I'm fine with anything plus 105 or better. Uh, Sandoval, his strikeout rates at a career low this year, 17%. Once you factor in that, you know, Coors is the hardest place in baseball to strike hitters out just because of uh, the your, your pitches don't move as much uh, because of the elevation. And then you think, well, uh, even though you know this, the Rockies lineup on Wednesday was one of the worst in terms of strikeouts. Some of the guys, I expect Tovar back. Um, it won't be quite as bad tonight for in terms of strikeout rate potential. Uh, and then, of course, at home, the Rockies strike out a lot less. And the numbers on Sandoval, I mean, like I said, career low strikeout rate, 17%. Uh, the swinging strike rate is comparable to last year, but he's not uh, in the zone as much. So he's been uh, walking more hitters and kind of just pitching from behind, having to groove pitches and and getting hit harder. Uh, so I'm I'm down on Sandoval, but again, with the conditions, with the wind blowing in uh, and the Rockies lineup situation right now, I like the under. Kyle Freeland expected to start. Uh, first time all week that the Rockies are putting out a major league starter. Huh. So 
Uh, that will make a big difference uh, for them. He got some extra time. He he was sick or injured, uh, or a little bit of both actually. Uh, and now he got you know extra few days of rest in between uh, since his last start. So uh, encouraged by uh, that, and think that this game is a little too high, even at cores eleven and a half. Yeah, I did. I did tap into the Wednesday game with Andrew Abbott on the mound while he had some problems with the home run ball. The Rockies can't hit lefties for shit. Uh, no, they had. <laughs> he ended up with ten Ks. Ten Ks. I know he hit that K prop. That a boy. Um, but I mean, outside of the home runs, he did a pretty good job of managing it. And the Reds won, um, which I know some folks here at Action were on the Rockies, so I'm I'm sure that was sort of painful. Char- Charlie had the Rockies. He's still he's still yeah okay. But that that, that I took the Rockies. Wednesday. I took the Rockies, and then it then it came out that Seabold was scratched, and then it was a bullpen game, and. That was when everything just went haywire, right? That's when everyone bought against the Rockies in the market was after he was scratched and they announced it was a bullpen game and the amount of relief pitchers that they had available because Freeland was not available too. It it was a, a complete and utter disaster. And he looked good for you know four innings. <laughs> but, yeah, that was a weird situation just because normally like a bullpen game will project better than like a shitty starter. It's like Connor Seabold being a you know five ERA guy. Um, him pitching five innings is worse for the Rockies than like the Rockies throwing a bunch of bullpen guys out there. So the market <laughs> moved toward Colorado, but when it's the point where they only have six available pitchers for the entire game, uh, that there's like a point of diminishing returns there where it actually becomes worse to throw a bullpen game because two of the main guys they wanted to start couldn't pitch. And then the guy that they brought up from the minor leagues didn't even get there in time to actually start the game. Uh, and he only pitched a couple innings out of the pen. So they had six guys available. Uh, it was a bizarre game for sure. Uh, but we move on and, and the Rockies continue to put up triple a lineup so long as Crone Blackman, Bryant. Uh, I mean, like you know, the Rockies had a decent lineup, but no, none of them are healthy right now. So it's, uh, it's really ugly. Yeah. See, I mean, Seabold also projects better than Kaufman and the guys that they were throwing yes. out there in general. It, and the Rockies bullpen's not great. That's like the, the biggest issue, but yeah, it was, a, it was an utter mess. Luckily I like took some Cincinnati hedge uh, in the middle of that fifth inning blow up because it was, you could tell that it was just the the wheels, pain. Were falling, the wheels were falling off the wagon in that fifth inning. <laughs> uh, okay, as as Debundo said, we have to we move on. It's it's a new day. Um, we're targeting. So I mentioned Philadelphia and New York meet this weekend. It's an Apple TV game tonight. Philly, the Phillies are getting love. You know, I'm going to first on this one. Sixty seven percent of the bets, eighty eight percent of the cash coming in on Philadelphia. Your pitching matchup tonight. Kodai Senga taking on Taiwan Walker. That is your pitching matchup for tonight. The Philadelphia Phillies to bundle at BetMGM are minus 120 on the money line. Are you betting your home team? The public likes you. That's the only reason that this might fly. How are we going to handle the public? Uh, I am not. Uh, I think this line is about right. Well, first of all, are you going? Are you going to the game? I'm not. No, I was, I was there Tuesday and Thursday. I need a break. Uh, two painful losses to Atlanta. Uh, very disappointing bullpen and defense letting us down. No but, folks, uh, he doesn't need a break from betting. He just needs a break from going to the games that, well, I had the under yesterday, which was nice, but I also had the Phillies. So, uh, it was a split for me, but, uh, you know, I think this line's about right. I think the total's a little low. Uh, so it opened nine, some shops. I, I grabbed a nine minus minus one twenty at bet MGM, uh, late last night. Uh, you can still get nine and a half flat though, which I'm okay with, uh, yep. the, we, we flipped the wind. At Citizens Bank Park, uh, instead of you know the wind in, which it was all a week, uh, the wind guy. we have very much more favorable hitting conditions. It's not that warm in Philly today. It's it's kind of dreary again, like 65, 70 degrees. 
uh, by first pitch can be closer to 60, but uh, the, the wind makes a big difference at the bank as always, as I say all the time on this podcast. And uh, we have two pitchers, you know, with Sanga, he dominated the Phillies uh, in New York. Uh, the Phillies chased a lot of his junk and it was a major problem for their lineup. And it still projects as like maybe a problem. Like I don't love that the way they match up with Sanga because the Phillies um, swing at pitches outside of the zone at a top six or seven rate in baseball. Uh, but uh, the Mets putting a lot of balls in play against this defense right now uh, with Schwarber being as bad as he is, worst outfielder in left field. Uh, and, you know, I bone back at third, it's still below average there. So there are some, you know, matchup voodoo things where the Mets putting a ton of balls in play and never striking out seems to really put a lot of pressure on the Phillies in these matchups. Uh, so I, I do like the over tonight with the conditions. Taiwan Walker has been one of the best uh, starting pitchers in baseball in the last month. I mean, he has really upped his velocity. He's been throwing a ton of splitters. Uh, and been really effective. Uh, he had a poor start to the season, uh, but again, sub two ERA in June. So, you know, how much am I really buying into that? Not quite sure. Um, I think the park ultimately will cause problems for Taiwan pitching at home uh, in, in Citizens Bank Park. The sample's not big enough yet to really draw like a meaningful conclusion on like, is Taiwan going to have problems pitching in our ballpark because of his home run kind of history? But it will be interesting to watch just uh, going forward. How does he perform at home versus away? Uh, so far, he's been much better at home. But again, the splits are, are way too small. Just wait and just yeah, speaking as a as a fan of the Mets who had Taiwan Walker for two to three years, just wait until the end of July and August when the wheels fall off. Because he has, if you look at his numbers, he's always above average in the first half and one of the worst pitchers in baseball the second half. Happened the last two seasons with the Mets. It, he, the wheels fall off on him altogether. That's code for Debundo. Don't get your hopes up. This guy's going to keep pitching. Yeah, he, he, this this June thing, it's just a month. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been a little better with the splitter, but since he added it last year, and he, he was able to actually consistently, uh, you know, be decent down the stretch. I mean, I'm not expecting him to be a, a, a top-of-the-rotation starter. I just need him to fill innings. So yeah, he's been okay. Phillies have won five of his last six starts, and at home – not a ton of walks, but two, three walks, and that ballpark can get a little dicey with uh, Taiwan Walker. Uh, Charlie, you got an angle on this game? Again, the money's coming in on the Phillies with Walker on the mound against Sanga. Yeah, I mean, I think you could play this in uh, multiple ways. I don't hate the overlook. The way that I would probably end up playing it is by taking a couple props in this matchup. Uh, I haven't officially played anything yet, but Schwarber was one of the things that one of the guys that caught my eye off the rip. One of the worst defensive players in baseball, but hitting 250 with seven homers in June this far always seems to be June that Schwarber kind of turns it around and sees his power up. And Sanga, you look at his his early starts and then his his then the middle and then the end is in three parts of three months. First half when he first came up to baseball, the first month he gave up a lot of home runs. The second he was really generating either a lot of walks or strikeouts and wasn't really giving up many barrels or home runs. And then recently it's kind of come back to haunt him a bit, three home runs and three starts in June. So I think that there's like an opportunity to kind of fade Sanga in the home run market. If the Phillies are able to kind of lay off the junk, I don't, that's why I'm not targeting, you know, Nick Cassianos as much as I am Schwarber because Cassianos is notorious for chasing everything low. And I think Schwarber, Bryce Harper, I don't know if he's a home run candidate, but more a total bases guy right now, given the injury and his just lack of power, uh, could be two looks on that end. And then on the opposite end, 
Uh, I've been toying around with possibly Francisco Lindor. If you look at how he's performed the last 15 days at the plate, his hard hit rate and rolling Woba graphs are both skyrocketed up. So both he's seeing the ball extremely well uh, across both sides of the plate. So I, more props for me, if anything, smaller level props. Don't go too crazy with them. But with the wind blowing out, the conditions that it's in, and, and two pitchers that are prone to being blown up, I kind of like it, a prop angle as long as the Phillies are not chasing everything in the dirt from Senga. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Senga is like like 13% walk rate is barely, barely passable for a starting pitcher. Uh, that's like Edward Cabrera level. And we talk about him and we joke around about him on the show and how you know we love the stuff, but we don't love the fact that he walks everybody. And he's like barely a starter. I mean, uh, that's for Senga. If he's going to maintain those kind of walk rates, it's going to be very hard for him to keep an ERA uh, anywhere below three, five, three, six. So it's just kind of the reality of him, even as good as the stuff is as high as his strikeout rate is. Baseball betting season is here. So get in on the action with the king of sports books, sign up with BetMGM using bonus code action and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario, new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from ensuance. Excludes Michigan, disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, one 800 4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text Tennessee Redline at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Let's dive into underdogs for Friday. Now, again, to take folks behind the curtain, we don't do that very often. Typically, we come into some of these slates, and the, some of these guys, these guys love the underdog spots, but what alarms me so when we put the dock out for the show, we kind of roll through. They put their bets in, and I just kind of tee them up and get out of the way. I can't help but get in the way when I see both Anthony and Charlie gave their bet, they gave their team, their dog they want to bet, and then they put the word small next to the, the team, which, again, code for I'm going to bet this, but I, I don't know if I feel great. And that is not that my unit shaming, beat responsible betting. I get it. But when I see small, I, I – I sense a lack of confidence or you just love the number. So Charlie, let's just not, let's not bury the lead. Charlie likes the A's today, but small. Why? Listen, the Oakland Athletics have fallen. I can't help myself. Sorry. The Oakland Athletics have fallen back down to earth. Uh, yep. They've lost eight in a row. They <laughs> kind of look like the same old Oakland Athletics after that win streak. But. I think that this number is way too 
high given the pitching matchups and the fact that Chris Bassett's on the mound. Uh, Bassett, we talked about him multiple times on this show. His stuff plus is 90. He ranks below average in just about every single pitch he has in his arsenal, and it's a deep arsenal, but they're all below average. His expected ERA, expected fit, both half runs higher than actual. Strikeout rates down, walk rates up, barrel rates jumped up 3%. There's a lot of concerns with Bassett. Like he's a completely different pitcher from when he was with the New York Mets. You look at last year, 227 expected batting average, 359 expected slugging. This year, those numbers have jumped up nearly, well, 253 expected batting average, 430 expected slugging. So concerning jump-wise, he's a Jekyll and Hyde pitcher. So you either get him when he's, you know, lights out. And I, and I pulled the numbers from the last three stretches he had or four stretches. He started 23 shutout innings pitched. Then he gave up 13 run, 13 runs, nine earned in 10 and a third. Then he went 15 and two thirds innings of two runs. And then the last two starts, six and two thirds of 13 runs, 11 earned. So the defense has not been doing him any favors. He hasn't been pitching that well. And now this number's plus 260. I, I It's just so much for me not to pass on this. And why I'm playing it small is just because it's the athletics. They don't have a great bullpen. Caprillion's on the mound. I'm not that high on him in general, but I do think he has some positive regression coming. His expected metrics in mid four, mid low five, actual ERAs up in the mid sixes. He's taking a step forward with the strikeout percentage and uh, his left on base rate is a lot lower than career average. So when you put it all together and you take in the fact that Toronto over the last 14 days are 21st in WRC plus, uh, Bichette is nursing a thumb injury. We have no update on him. Even if he comes back, could he be, you know, his, his, his power or hitting be mitigated? Could be Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's been a different hitter since he had right knee soreness. He's not hitting for power. He's not hitting that well. Alejandro Kirk on the injured list. So when you look at how the Blue Jays offense has been faring, it's not been great. Bassett is a concerning pitcher. So it's enough for me to take a stab on the athletics here. I'm throwing a half a unit on it. Plus 260 is just too much for me not to take. So, yeah, that's that's my whole thought process. Like, I, like the, I, the A's have the advantage, I think, at this number, and it's too good of a number not to take. But I can't be – I can't fathom putting a whole unit behind Caprillion and the, and the A's right now. All right. Fair enough. DeBundo, favorite dog on the Friday slate, please. Yeah, I want to talk through this game too uh, because it's very strange to me what's happening with Chris Bassett this year. Uh, he's had – incredible catcher splits. Uh, so the Jays have three different catchers that they use and depending on which one has caught him has had a major impact on his strikeouts per nine. You see that sometimes with a new team, you know, guy comes in, he's not as familiar. The other thing, and this is my tinfoil hat thing. And this is something, Eno Saris talked about on rates and barrels. What's going on with these home road splits? Because any pitcher who has a two, one ERA at home and a five, eight ERA on the road, like, I know the sample is small and there's a lot of noise in that, but, and then Charlie just talked about it. The, the difference in the quality, right? Like he's, his, his outcomes have been so wide and so variable. Like one day he looks like Cy Young, the next day he looks like, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't belong in the majors and that kind of stuff, especially when it keeps happening on the road. And Bassett is a guy who uses the pitch com and calls the pitches himself. Makes me wonder if something isn't happening with Bassett when he's on the road. And I think that's something that I'm going to be watching. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's something that's certainly possible where teams are catching him. He throws a ton of pitches. And like Charlie said, the stuff isn't great. He get, he doesn't win with having overpowering stuff. He wins with you not being able to predict which one of his six pitches he's going to throw. Um, so the fact that Bassett keeps having this random 
seemingly random, but maybe not so random failure on the road and these random blowups uh, makes me wonder if something isn't happening. So that's my thought. Of course, they're at home tonight. I have my own personal doubts about Caprillion too. Uh, fastball velocity was down about a mile and a half in his last start. Spin rates on every pitch uh, were down pretty considerably in that last outing. Uh, it did come with an improved uh, swinging strike rate relative to his season average. But again, he played the Phillies, uh, a team that will swing and miss a decent amount and will chase a decent amount. Uh, Jays are a much more uh, contact-heavy team in the middle of their lineup especially. So uh, I like the under 15.5 pitching outs for Caprellian. I think he'll struggle today. I was trying to think of a good way to go against him given the velo dip and the spin rates issue, uh, and I found that that was the best way because I'm really not trusting Bassett either. Uh, so that's my bet there, under 15.5 outs. So basically he will not throw more than five innings. All right. Very good. We were theorizing that maybe also it's the, uh, the coffee, you know, Bassett needs his Tim Hortons or something. You know, sleeping in your own bed part too, possibly his struggles on the road, but Chris Bassett on the mound, but again, they're home tonight against the A's. Uh, Debundo, what do you got for an underdog, please? Yeah, I'm taking the Pirates small here. Uh, the Marlins syndicate has, has struck again. Uh, second straight day, the Marlins have gotten absolutely nuked in the market. Uh, they opened minus 120 against Keller yesterday with, uh, Garrett on the mound closed closer to minus 150, 160, uh, which is a huge move, um, you know, given the fact the market's pretty efficient generally with these openers now. You don't see those kind of openers, especially when multiple books are opening minus 120 and, and keeping it there overnight and the morning after. Well, today, uh, the Marlins opened a little high, maybe, I thought, uh, minus 175. And now, uh, you know, they've been bet up again to the point where you can get power at this high as plus 160, 165 with Luis Ortiz. Ortiz had command issues. But the stuff is still very good. Uh, the stuff says that on any given day, he can you know dominate a lineup. Uh, and it puts uh, the Pirates in their better split against left-handed pitching as well with Lazardo on the mound. Lazardo had a dominant start to the year. Uh, you've started to see a little bit of regression in his numbers. Uh, you know, he probably wasn't going to keep up the, the performances he was doing early in the year. He got blown up once. Uh, it was a little shaky. Uh, against the Nationals in his last start. So there are um, some, you know, angles here for Pittsburgh. The game also, like the Marlins bullpen is far from elite. It's it's an average bullpen. So once Lazaro's out of the game, this game gets a little bit closer to even as well. So, uh, you know, at plus 160, 165, I'm going to take a small bet, half unit on the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, with Ortiz and hope that his stuff is good and the command is decent today. Excellent. I think you both have a couple more. I know DeBundo just hit on... Caprillion under outs. Anything else to bundle you want to throw in there before we get to the London series? And I have a one more for the road. Yeah, I'll, I took some Kerry Carpenter to Homer plus 650. Uh, love his his barrel approach. Uh, it's been very successful for him. Uh, against a right-handed pitcher in Maeda, who his fastball continues to be not back. Uh, the last AAA start was not encouraging. Uh, we've talked about Maeda back when he was you know injured before. Uh, that you know the fastball being as bad as it was is going to make him extremely prone to homers and giving up homers. Uh, and he's always had the good secondaries, but even the spin rates on the secondaries are down uh, and did not recover in his last AAA outing. So there's all kinds of concerns with Maeda here uh, to the point where I actually like the over at eight and a half in that game. There are still a couple eight and a halves out there. Uh, and then I took some Carpenter to Homer, my favorite, you know, slugger on the Tigers. Torkelson's had a real surge in barrel rate, but with the platoon splits, uh, with Carpenter getting a righty, uh, he's been their best hitter, best power hitter. So uh, give me Kerry, who uh, I am now a proud dynasty owner of Kerry Carpenter. Your, fa- your fantasy team. 
Yes. Glad you, glad you got that in there. Well, he uh, he he had to quit the Action Network Fantasy League, but he's in you quit. Well, he Thank gave you, up. Man. He doesn't check his. He doesn't check his lineup. Waving the dead last, waving the white flag, Brendan. Well, hey, you're not going to the Phillies game tonight, so you have time to check it. Yeah, the lineups. Start doing your work, Charlie. Anything else before we go to the London series? Um, I also dabbled on the Pirates small, uh, plus 170 is just an absurd number right now for two pitchers that I don't know. I like, they're not even like Luzardo is a little bit better, but like Luis Ortiz's off speed pitches are both excellent and generate a lot of whiffs. And, and if, as long as he's able to locate those and, and nibble around the edges of the zone, this game is more than live. I mean, yesterday I was on the Pirates first five in money line, split those and, I mean, they were at 4-1 going into the bottom of the eighth, and as soon as Mitch Keller left, they gave up five runs. So, like, yes, the Pirates' bullpen is a concern, but the Pirates are in their better split here against the lefty, and the Marlins are in their lesser split here. So I like the Pirates' small. Um, possibly doing a triple sevens today. We'll see. The 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 slate is absolutely disgusting, and the odds for props even have been very uh, – very like not not appetizing like the, a lot of a lot of guys in like the cores games and against patrick corbin we're seeing a lot of juiced one and a half or plus money two and a half so stay tuned to see if that gets dropped or not <laughs> all right pirates have lost 10 straight games we talked about this mm. tuesday that were there were a bunch of streaks of five or more wins or losses in baseball like 10 teams and some of them have ended some have continued like the pittsburgh pirates and the cincinnati reds Go Reds. Yeah, the Reds are done, unfortunately. Uh, Hunter Green is down. They're 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 gonna run out of pitchers. Well, isn't he? He was retroactive though, no? Or is it? Is there an uh, update? A worse update? I was. I thought it was gonna be longer now, but I could be wrong. Well, regardless, we got Abbott. We got Brandon. <laughs> I think Brandon. I don't even know William Williamson. The Reds. I mean, are you kind of just made was going today play. against Atlanta. We'll see. <laughs> Well, I'm not playing the Royals or the Rockies anymore. Well, Luke Weaver's not Weaver's not uh not good, but we'll see if they can edge one out here. We're gonna go to the July Fourth holiday, and they're probably gonna lose like seven in a row. Okay, no. like this division is a mess. Stop it! Stop it! I mean, it's not a mess for the best team, the Chicago Cubs, which I've said since. Uh, I dude, I I was actually funny enough not to derail this conversation fully, but the Cubs do play in London, so it's a nice transition. I was curious, like I'm I was looking at them to win the Central too, because I I don't know if there's anyone in that in this division that. Like I, I, the problem is I keep adding to my plate and I don't know when, it, when I have too much or if I'm just trying to when, like, when do I stop? Yeah. Cause well, I, have, I, have, I just identify the Brewers as a fraud and then but I have, a, I, have a, there. I have, so I have reds, I have Cubs and I have, I still have a Cardinals ticket, which is in deep shit. See, I did the opposite is that I bet on the Brewers and not the Cardinals to win the division. So I have them at plus 175 to win the central. Then I have the reds to make the playoffs at 14 to one. So then do I add Cubs? another half a unit at like plus 500. Like I don't, that's what yeah. I'm, my, my mind is like working through a bunch of, but then, but then when, when do I just like, I have a, then I'm rooting for every team like Anthony, like Anthony's like, Oh, those are my guys. Every team in the NL central, except for the brewers are his guys. And the pirates. I never bet the pirates. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, in, maybe in a couple weeks we should do, essentially we could do like a box break of what number you got each NL central team at. Debundo bread, Debundo ads throughout the year. Like, uh, so I, I, I might look at the Cubs because I do think that they're the, they have the highest ceiling of any team in this division. Maybe London is what the Cardinals need to turn around their season. They 
are nine out, bottom of the division at 31 and 44, but it feels long from over, as we said, in that division. Cubs and Cardinals will play two standalone national TV games on Saturday. and catch that one on Fox. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Yes, wake up at, at and breakfast, as we like to say. Yeah, it's like NFL, NFL London. Yeah, love it. Coffee, coffee, and uh, and then some some winnings. That's that's what we need. Sunday morning rain is falling. Oh, that Maroon Five Sunday morning song that just hits. Morning, it's, morning. Yeah, it's good. Action Network will have plenty of coverage, not singing, coverage on how to bet these games from park factors, pitching, hitting. These guys are going to cover the hitting props. Charlie and Debundo will have you covered on hitting, batting props for that London series, home run props, and more. Uh, and more. So check out the free award-winning Action Network app for all of the coverage. Last London series was in 2019. Yankees, Red Sox. Final scores ranged from 17 to 13. 12 to 8. Fences have been moved back, but it should still be a ripe run-scoring environment. Maybe not as much as those Mexico games that we had with Col- that was San- that was San Francisco and San Diego, uh, but should be a fun series in London. Uh, if you either one of you want to go here, we've got we do have a lineup. Uh, you can if you shop around. Cubs are favorites in the first game. Totals at 14 and a half. Just quickly thoughts on the series. How you're going to go about betting it, Charlie, and just what you might have in terms of coverage this weekend on Action Network. Yeah, so, so I have the hitting props article for Saturday's game, which is Steel against Wainwright, which you mentioned 14 and a half total. Cubs minus 130. Whether or not the prop lines are out at a normal hour, we'll see. But I will be at least breaking down what hitters have plus or minus matchups. Regarding that, uh, when you look at how to bet this game or these the series in general, I think it, you either want to play the over in game one or wait to see what happens because I think this could be a lot similar to the Mexico City game where in the first game we saw the line opened up got bet up extremely hard on the over it flew over and then to make up for that odds makers reset the line for game two at an extremely high number and you could buy back on the under i think the same thing is going to happen here wasn't so wasn't this wasn't that second game like 18 and a half 19 and a half i think it got to 20 i think didn't get to the 20s and then got bet down and so i think it's i think we could if 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 this if this game goes exactly like game one in London was in 2019 or game one in Mexico City, where yeah. the balls are juiced and, and whatever the hitting conditions are favorable, we could see that. And, and I would look to buy back on the under. And also when you think about the the pitching, Wainwright is an awful pitcher. So like if I, I it's Cubs or nothing for me or maybe a Cubs team total, uh, he's just horrendous. You look at his metrics, he's just... The, finally, the the age is catching up with him. You make fun of me, me enjoying beating up on the old guys. He is expected slugging, expected batting average. They're horrendous. He's not getting strikeouts. He's just old and, and not good. So, like, you would want to bet the Cubs here or look at an over if you think that Steele will struggle a bit too or the Cubs team total over or the Pros, which I'll have a breakdown on. And then in game two, buy back on the under. Stroman and Flaherty, decent at limiting barrels. And I think that the number, if, the, if it's a high-scoring game one, we'll see an inflated game two line because everyone's going to run to the window to bet the over when you want to go contrarian and bet the under. And I would probably lean the Cardinals in, in that matchup too. Debunda, I know you have some analysis on the dimensions. As we said, the fences are being moved back. Yeah, um, I am really 
struggling to come to a conclusion on what I think about this, but I think I'm going to be betting the under in the first game um, because I've talked to Derek Cardi about this. Derek Cardi is the guy who does the bat projections. He's uh, very smart at, you know, park projections and whatnot. And uh, even he was like, I don't understand how this park plays as favorable as it does. Because if you think about it with Mexico city, it's very easy, right? Like, Oh, we're playing at 7,500 feet as opposed to, you know, sea level. That's a big difference. It's course times 1.5. Well, London is at sea level. The London stadium plays at sea level. Uh, the the main theory, and this is pretty believable, is that the way the stadium was designed, uh, it was built for the Olympics uh, in 2012, which is, you know, of course, a lot of track and field, a lot of running. Um, the way that the, the bowl was produced, it was to limit all air drag and to not get any airflow through the stadium uh, to affect the runners so they can run as fast as possible. And the result of that is that when baseballs fly, uh, there's not as much drag slowing the ball down, thus it flies further. And this is something the Yankees, I mean, we knew after they took batting practice, uh, the Yankees were saying like these balls are flying out of this ballpark. Now the, the biggest difference though, is that in 2019, that was the most juice ball in the history of major league baseball, the whole season, everybody homered hit record homers. Uh, and they may have even used an even more juice ball because it was the, you know, the big London showcase with the Yankees and the Red Sox. And, you know, they wanted to prior, you know promote the game. Uh, we don't know what the balls are going to look like, but the baseball that they're using in 2023 is very, very different from the baseball of 2019 when we saw, you know, 30 runs and, and 20 runs scored. Now the fences make a big difference too, because uh, the stadium dimensions of 2019, 330 to the corners, 387 to center, that would have played as the second smallest park in baseball. Now, uh, with the fences being pushed back in center and the power alley, so like the you know the gaps being pushed back, uh, it, it plays more like an average ballpark in terms of dimensions. So an average ballpark at sea level uh, with different balls, uh, 14 and a half is a lot just for air drag. So uh, I'm probably going to bet the under. I'm, I'm waiting to see if we don't get a 15. I think there's going to be a lot of public sentiment on the over, and I'm going to be the contrarian who has the under in hopes that Wainwright doesn't get bombed. The other thing is that because it's a standalone two-gamer and the teams have so much rest built up on either side of this, uh, you could see more bullpen usage. You could see teams redline their bullpens and kind of you know really work them. That being said, I don't really want to bet on Adam Wainwright either, so it would be Cubs or nothing for me. Uh, I'd probably you, bet the under in the first game just because I think the market might be too high on this ballpark. Out of curiosity, uh, do you think that the that they send ju- like it, juice balls too that – like they, they, that's the thing is like, do they just send this power juice balls to London because it's a standalone game and they right. want to get fans to like baseball? That's a question. And that's why it's hard to make such an assessment on, I think, game one, which is what I was saying. Maybe it's it's better to wait and then take the under in game two because of that. We have no idea what to expect in general. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I'm I'm very apt to laugh when I bet the under and then they're balls are just flying left and right. And I'm like, Oh, they're juiced. And I can just complain, but you know, we'll see. Uh, but I, I envision myself being on the under in game one, uh, steel, uh, less so than Wainwright, but steel has done a very good job. His entire young MLB career of um, limiting hard contact with his kind of the way his pitches move and, and kind of, uh, fooling hitters a bit, even though his strikeout numbers aren't really impressive. All right. Again, Saturday, one o'clock start one Eastern. It'll be the only game on. Tomorrow, Chicago, St. Louis, and then t- 10 a.m., correct? 10 a.m. Sunday yeah, is, is what we've got Eastern. for the Eastern, right? Correct. 10 a.m. Eastern on Sunday when these teams meet ESPN. That will be your 
Sunday night baseball. Oh, no, they're actually doing two games. Houston, Los Angeles, the second. That's the real Sunday night baseball. Okay. I thought they were just replacing And then fade them on Monday. That's the that's the way. Perfect. We'll discuss that on Monday. Great transition. <laughs> Charlie's full of the good transitions today. Uh, for Debundo, and you're right. You are. You're right. This is when, now when I start wrapping the show, this is when Charlie goes and picks up the Reds hat and throws it in the camera. Very good. Uh, find DeBundo and Charlie Disturco in the Action Network app. If they add more, I say if, they will. Go look in the app. They will add stuff all weekend long as well. Um, and yes, look forward to the coverage over on actionnetwork.com. Action Network app for the London series goes down Saturday and Sunday. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Brendan Glasheen signing off. Thanks for listening to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's MLB betting podcast presented by BetMGM. We'll talk to you on Monday. Look at his crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.